Get road trip ready with a service checkup at your local Chevy dealer. They can save you time and money and get the job done right the first time, worry-free. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for current service specials or to schedule a test drive. Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the picker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Eddy and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. Welcome again to Collegiately Speaking. Dave Ennett, joined by former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. Every week we kick around some of the big stories involving the Northwestern Wildcats and college football. The Big Ten, we're getting into the late part of the season now. And we'll have Super Joe's picks coming up a little bit later on. But uh, it certainly has been a a rough uh, end of October and beginning of November for the Wildcats, uh, they've they've played some really good teams, Dan, and they played another one Saturday at Wisconsin. Really encouraging start to that game, I thought, with a, a quick stop by the defense and then a 19-play drive by the offense, but they, they just weren't able to sustain it up there at Camp Randall. Yeah, and I think I agree. It was a really, really strong start and, and got a couple lucky bounces on that 19-play that, uh, drive. Um but, you know, not being able to finish, right? It, it's kind of been part of the season and, and turning the ball over um, in the end zone doesn't help. So, yeah, a tough opponent, no question. Wisconsin controlled the game really on the ground from start to finish, and, and Mertz played pretty efficiently when he had to. Um, so, you know, definitely an unfortunate loss, but hopefully Northwestern can, can kind of pick things up and, and get things going in, into, a, you know, another tough opponent in Purdue at Wrigley Field. So we'll see how they, they perform. Yeah, I mean, you looked at uh, this part of the schedule probably before the season and thought, well, you know, Wisconsin obviously is going to be tough up there. You kind of thought maybe the Iowa and Wisconsin games would help determine who comes out of the Big Ten West this year. And and maybe they did on the other side because uh, those two teams, Iowa and Wisconsin, still uh, very much in the picture along with the other two i mean there it's certainly not over for minnesota or purdue after their losses this past weekend but uh wisconsin in the driver's seat and you, you look at them they uh, they've they've really turned it on here winning six in a row at exactly the right time and they've got their running game cranked up full capacity now and if you consider the the guys they've lost along the way a pretty remarkable that they've been able to do what they've done absolutely and i think it's probably with some of the losses and you know iowa and wisconsin having already played there's a little bit less drama you know if Mm -hmm. if wisconsin wins out uh which which they probably should um they'll be in the the big 10 title game representing the west um but no it's it's been fun in the west and i like we've talked about before you wish you know with with two lost teams going to the the Big Ten title, um, you, you would hope Northwestern would be in that mix, but unfortunately they're not, and and you know missed their opportunity to play spoiler. But I think at the end, at the end of the day, you know Fitz is probably preaching to these guys that um, you know they got to have to finish the season strong and have something to build off going into the next year. I think you know Northwestern had high hopes for the year, but they at the end of the day lost a lot of players coming into the year, and, and they knew there would be a little bit of a struggle, um, and obviously not having great 
QB play has, has hurt them. I think the defense, as we've talked about, has come along. But I think they just really need to try to put together more complete games and, and move into the offseason with a little bit of momentum. As a former quarterback, Dan, is there anything you, that you've seen from Andrew Marty, who seems like he really moves the team well at times, but then, you know, it's that the turnover in the end zone, uh, the interception in the end zone of that opening drive on Saturday, and then uh, throwing a couple more picks and, and really a bunch of these last two games that really, really were came at bad times. Not that there's ever a good time, but they really seem to be especially costly. Yeah, and I think that's just part of playing quarterback, right? You could have, you know, 20 straight great plays and you throw one interception and it cancels everything out. So I think, you know, he's definitely brought a spark to the offense and he's, he's been able to move the ball. And I think having a mobile quarterback, um, again, I'm biased, but having a, a mobile quarterback is always really helpful, um, keeping plays alive and, and being that X factor. But you can't turn the ball over, right? You know, again, they could go on an 80 play drive or 80 yard drive and they turn the ball over in the end zone and, not only do they get no points, but it's a huge kind of deflationary event for uh, the defense who who played well. And then they see that and they're, they're kind of like, Hey, we're, we're back to just, you know, backs against the wall and, and having to save this team. So you just, you have to protect the ball. Um, and if you don't do that, you don't even give your chance, you know, your team a chance to win. And you have to know that every small mistake is, is magnified by a hundred um, playing quarterback. And I think, you know, Sometimes Andrew Marty might not realize that because he's he's you know probably a great leader and and everything else and he, he's kind of a spark to the team. But you just can't have multiple turnovers in a game and and expect to to be in it at the end and, and certainly win. And and he hasn't been able to avoid that. Be real interesting to see what happens on a Saturday against Purdue, which is coming off that loss to Ohio State, but uh, certainly has that. A couple of uh, signature wins for them, winning at Iowa, beating Michigan State, and the Spartans, their first loss. They uh, seem to have really settled in with Aiden O'Connell playing well, a quarterback out of Stevenson High School. And so this will be interesting. It It's going to be the battle at Wrigley Field, the Wildcats Classic on Saturday. And, you know, we thought it might be a, a good time to reminisce a little bit, Dan, about playing at Wrigley. Now, you were part of the team in 2010 that played at Wrigley Field, except you weren't able to play because the week before against Iowa at uh, at Ryan Field, you threw the game-winning touchdown pass, but that was the play on which uh, you were unfortunately injured and your season ended. And, and I mean, it was like you get your seventh win. Uh, the the Cats have put themselves in position for a really good bowl game. And then in, in one moment, uh, for you anyway, uh, your season comes to an end. Uh, I'm sure that's that's something that's still painful to look back at. Yeah, for sure. And I think more just because, like you talked about, we were we had a couple of losses to highly ranked teams that, that we thought we, we should have won. And getting that seventh win and, and being ranked after that game was really important to us. But yeah, it was, it was tough. Cause I had never really been, you know, injured that seriously where I was out for, for multiple games in my, in my whole life. Um, but yeah, it was tough. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, not, not to be conceded or anything, but you know, losing the, the, the quarterback of a, of a high powered offense is, is hard. To, it's a, there's a serious hangover the next week. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a little bit of that going into the game. And unfortunately we weren't able to pull it out. Uh, but yeah, the lead up and the the you know pageantry was awesome, but not playing, not being able to play was was really tough. So, just to clarify this because you had been hurt the week before. Were you even 
on the on the premises were you at the ballpark at Wrigley that day yeah I was I was there I rode the bus down with the team I was on the sideline freezing my butt off um, <laughs> so with my leg elevated so yeah I was there and, and got to experience kind of the the front end of it um, and the game um, so yeah that, that was a good time and so I remember there being talk beforehand that they were going to put you guys on a special CTA train. You were going to actually dress, I don't mean you because obviously you weren't, but the team was going to dress at uh, back up in Evanston and then get on the L and take that L from like Central Street right down to Wrigley Field. Do you remember any talk about that? I do. And, and you know, as you get older, it's, it's 11 years removed now. I, I, I was like, I had to think back because I remember Fitz talking about that and, and I thought it was pretty cool. But then I remember getting off the bus. So I'm like, all right, obviously that didn't happen. Right, um, right. So yeah, I think it was, there was talk of it and then the logistics kind of got out of control and they're like, let's just, let's just take the buses down and, and we'll get off on Clark street. Well, of course what happened that day and, and it, it happened not far ahead of the game Friday, the day before the game, the big 10 announced a, a number of changes, including Commissioner Jim Delaney announcing that Northwestern and Illinois would run all of their offensive plays towards the west end zone, towards home plate, uh, rather than towards the east because they felt there wasn't sufficient room to guarantee the player's safety over and out towards right field. So it was the most bizarre of circumstances where you had both teams on offense going in the same direction for the entire game. I'd never seen anything like that. I don't think anybody had really had ever seen anything like that. I remember Ron Zook, the Illinois coach, suggesting that it was going to be kind of like arena football anyway uh, because of the tight quarters there at Wrigley Field. Overall, once the game got going, did you have a sense that it it had that big an impact on the way the game was played? Um, I don't think so. I think the, the challenging parts were, were really, you know, when a either team was, was close to the home plate end zone and, and you had to substitute. Um, so I can't remember if they allotted additional time to, to allow substitutions, but I, I remember that being an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, I think we were on the, the right field end zone side of the sideline. So, I mean, the guys that were subbing in, you know, for goal line or anything in the red zone, you know, were running 60 yards before they got to the play. So it just made it a little bit of a logistical nightmare and, and probably from a fatigue standpoint, isn't great when you're trying to stop somebody from getting the end zone. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I don't think it affected the outcome of the game in any way. They, they, they won at the end of the day fairly handily because we couldn't stop the run. Um, but it was, it was certainly an interesting scenario. Well, we thought it would be good to look back on that game a little bit with one of the guys who did play in it. One of your former teammates, uh, former defensive tackle for the Wildcats and longtime NFL defensive lineman Corbin Bryant. But Dan, we have a former teammate of yours on the line with us, a, a Chicago native who was part of that game in 2010 at Wrigley Field, former Wildcat defensive tackle Corbin Bryant, who had a long career in the NFL, but is uh, now a few years beyond the league. Corbin, great to talk to you. Thanks for jumping on with us. And uh, give us a quick update on, on what you're doing these days. Well, Dan and David, it's great to be on with with two Wildcat greats, I appreciate the opportunity to come on the podcast. But nowadays, ever since I retired after a seven-year career in the league, I'm, I've actually started podcasting myself. I'm a co-host of the um, 
Buffalo Bills podcast um, called Herd and Ten, and we just started doing that a few months ago, and it's been going pretty well. I'm, I'm enjoying being a part of the media these days. <laughs> That's good to hear. And you've got a pretty good team to talk about, too, right? Your old team, the Bills, yeah. hey, they're looking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's, they're definitely a different team than when I was there. We had great defenses when, while I was in Buffalo, a lot of great players, but Right now, it seems like they're a team that's definitely putting it all together. You know what, what coaches say: offense, defense, special teams. They are they are really playing well. It's probably poised for a late run in the playoffs right now. Well, it sure seems that way. Well, um, anyway, it's great to catch up with you. And we wanted to talk to you because you played in that game at Wrigley Field in 2010. As the Cats go back there this weekend to take on the Boilermakers, and I, it was such a a, a strange set of circumstances going into that game, Corbin. But I wonder, as a native Chicagoan, what was your anticipation level going in? How excited were you for the chance to to play at the friendly confines? Well, Dave, I, I was super excited. You know, being a Chicago native, and you know, I'm a Southsider, but I was a Cubs fan growing up. You know, kind of something that you know my dad instilled in us. We pretty much watched every Cubs game on television. And that was like actually my first time actually being in Wrigley, so it was definitely something that I was definitely looking looking forward to. Just you know, seeing all the the old bleachers and the ivy, and actually being a part of part of history of being the the, the first one of the first football games in that stadium, um, college football games for that for that matter. Um, it was actually uh, very nostalgic, I would say, for, for me. Corb, thanks again for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. I didn't have a chance to play because I, I got hurt the week before. Um, can you kind of walk us through the timeline? Again, I was I was in and out of surgery and probably on, on pain meds at the time, but I'm trying to remember yeah. how it all went down and, and when we figured out, like, we couldn't go both ways and then when we had to, to kind of switch things up and they walk us through the timeline and then how it was, you know, substituting, playing as a defense, only, you know, knowing you could only go one way. Yeah, it, it was it was really weird. Now, at, at the beginning of the week, um, Coach Fitz obviously is a great communicator. He told us that we were going to be going one way. But once we got to the game and we actually got out there, obviously we were warming up on different sides. But we just have to say, okay, make sure we're, we're running out on the field and make sure we're going um, away from the Ivy. And I remember um, one of the bright spots of the game when um, I believe it was uh, it was Brian Peters. Peters uh, took a took a pick back um, for a touchdown, and we were like, yeah, he he um, scored a touchdown this way, but we have to go down the other make the field goal. So it was a, a really weird game. And as far as like the setup I, in the locker room, the locker rooms were were fantastic. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a really 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 weird feeling to play that way. Um, so hopefully the guys are prepared for that this week. Yeah, and I think um, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. Everything, given the renovation, you know they can go both ways and everything yes. set up, right? Yes, is that, that is correct? that's correct. That's correct. The only oh, yeah. so oh, hopefully thank God for yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully it'll be a little bit more normal. I think the one thing you know, I, it was a, like you said, Corbin, a great atmosphere. I think the the coolest yeah. part for me, at least, was kind of the the pregame setup where you know we we came in kind of to to the Wrigley Field, right? They had the tailgates right outside the stadium. Seeing Wildcat Alley right mm-hmm. there was 
was super cool. But maybe talk a little bit about, you know, Dave asked about the nostalgia of playing in the game, but really the buildup, I think that was the coolest part. You know, seeing your picture on the outside of Wrigley Field and then walking through, you know, a sea of fans into the locker room, that had to be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was obviously, you know, with the first first time, with our first time being there, it was a, a different experience. But, I mean, wow. I mean, Wrigley Field. Like, how many <laughs> chances do you get to play in the, probably one of the more historic stadiums um, in the in the world, I should say. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, kind of like, like kind of the same same kind of routine that we went through. Obviously, walked through. I saw my mom and, and all my friends that had come to the game and, you know, seeing like the way that they set it up and obviously the big pictures on the front. I mean, wow, it's fantastic. I still remember trying to ask, I don't know if you remember Nolan down trying to ask him like, hey, can yeah. I somehow pack this up and like put this like in my house up somewhere? But it was like too big. But um, like the way they had set it up and obviously it was a it was a home game for us, you know, with from Northwestern being the Chicago, Chicago Big Ten team. And it was a, a very, it was obviously a very, a very nice setup that they there for us it was i thought it was fantastic you know one of the things about it that was unique is going to still be the case saturday which by the way is the 10th anniversary or i'm sorry the 11th anniversary of that game uh, it's mm-hmm. it was it was november 20th of 2010 and it's gonna be november 20th of 2021 but you wow. guys wow. you guys share isn't that hard to believe but you guys yeah. shared the same sideline and that's also going to be the case again on saturday with the two teams lined up on the same sideline which is certainly unique i i can't imagine you You've played another football game, maybe since uh, since Pop Warner or since high school, where you would have been on the same sideline, if even you, you did then. Yeah, I don't even think we did that in high school. So, it was, I mean, I was wondering with it being a rivalry game. I was like, man, like you know, we're going toe to toe. Like our, you know, Illinois is our biggest rival. Like, are we going to like fight on the sideline? Like, like I mean, how is this even going to work? Is somebody going to be over there trying to you know steal some signals, or are people like have a you know, some sort of earpiece to try to hear what they're saying. Like, it was it was really weird. It's probably, I can't even think of a time where two teams would be on the same sideline, but obviously we, you know, kept it classy and, you know, nobody was, you know, doing anything that, you know, to, to ruin the integrity of the game. So, yeah, it, it worked out, but, yeah, it, it was definitely weird. Well, there were a ton of big plays. You mentioned the Brian Peters pick six into the east end zone, which was supposed to be off limits in that game. And uh, and the other big play, if I remember, was a long touchdown run by Mike Trumpy uh, in the first Mm -hmm. quarter because Illinois got out to a quick lead. And then uh, Trumpy, I think, went 80 yards for a touchdown. And yeah, it, I mean that was that was definitely something that sparked us. But I would I would definitely say, and and everybody in Wildcat Nation knows this, we missed our guy number seven out there. I mean, yeah. I mean we, I mean it was a it was a tough game for us because I mean when you look at the 2010 season, just have to be honest, Dan was really the catalyst for that team. We played really well on defense. But with the offense rolling the way it was throughout the season, we were really poised to do something great. But, yeah, we definitely missed number seven out there. But, um, you know, Trumpy did make a nice play, and we tried to do what we could with it. But, um, yeah, missing your best player hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question about that. And 
I won't even mention the name Mikel LaShore to you, Corbin, because right. I'm sure there's some <laughs> painful memories of that. Are you going to get a chance to watch the game this week? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I always make an effort to watch watch every game, the, the good, bad, and the ugly, man. I'm I'm a wildcat through and through, and I'm always there to help support the program and, you know, do the best I can for them. So, yes, my eyes will be glued to the television. All right. Well, Dan, any final words for your former teammate? No, just thanks again, Corp. Thanks for joining us, and uh, proud of you, man. Oh, yeah, likewise. And uh, anytime you need something, just, you know, one call away, my friend. Corbin, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. You guys have a great rest of the day. Dan, great hearing from Corbin. Great catching up with him. Good guy and a terrific player and guy who had a really nice career in the NFL. I remember he was with the Bears at one point during that time, but uh, I think spent most of his career with the Buffalo Bills. But uh, certainly some some crazy memories of that day and uh, we'll see if this Saturday is anything like that Saturday 11 years ago yeah Corbin uh, he kind of carved out an amazing career especially with the Bills I think you're right he bounced with the the Bears and I think the Steelers for a little bit and then uh, you know starting for the Bills for a long time so definitely proud of him and and he's he's just a great guy overall well, uh, that's game against Purdue, one of a uh, number of uh, key games this week. Uh, certainly the Wildcats classic at Wrigley Field, part of it. But Michigan State playing at Ohio State on Saturday. And uh, you look at the college football rankings this week, Ohio State still in that four spot behind Georgia, Alabama, and Oregon with Cincinnati still just outside that top four at number five and still unbeaten. And then it's Michigan, Michigan State, and Notre Dame moved up to number eight this week. Uh, But uh, Michigan State taking on Ohio State this week. Great chance for the Spartans, right, taking on the Buckeyes. Absolutely. And I think the folks that are upset with with the Spartans still behind Michigan, you know, it it really doesn't matter because the the Spartans still control their own destiny um, with with a win against Michigan and then, you know, hopefully going in and and trying to get a win in the horseshoe. Uh, But it is kind of odd how, how, you know, Oregon's ahead of Ohio State and they obviously emphasize the head-to-head matchup, but then, you know, Michigan's ahead of Michigan State after losing them. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Michigan State still controls their own destiny, but it's it's just funny how those things work out. As for that Big Ten West, uh, Iowa is playing at home against Illinois, which will be without Coach Brett Bielema after he tested positive for COVID-19. Wisconsin has a senior day in Madison against Nebraska, and Minnesota plays at Indiana. And, of course, next week it will be Minnesota uh, hosting Wisconsin. Another very significant game as they battle for Paul Bunyan's axe and Iowa-Nebraska play next week as well. Of course, the Wildcats travel to Champaign and the battle for the hat. Uh, Cats have dominated that series, but this will be the first time uh, since the departure of Lovey Smith as the coach in Illinois that uh, these two teams uh, match up. All right, let's find out what we've got in the way of predictions this week. Super Joe's predictions. Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super, Super Joe's predictions. predictions. Back on the winning side of things last week, courtesy of the yep. Buckeyes and Boilermakers. Yep. I think they hit the over late in the second Boy, quarter, they, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, they uh, they were flying. Uh, so this week, 
I'm not sure if you guys heard what happened in Lincoln, but uh, Coach Frost got an extension, and basically mm-hmm. every other offensive coach is gone. The yep. Yep. offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, the offensive line slash run game coordinator, the running backs coach, and the quarterbacks coach are all jettison. So, um, obviously, I'm going to tail them, and I'm going to go with Nebraska to um, – cover a nine and a half point spread in Madison, which is a tough spot. Obviously, we just found that out last week. Uh, this is the fifth game the Cornhuskers are playing as a dog this year. They are three and one against the spread with the only loss coming against the Wolverines where they were catching two and a half and lost by three. So they're right there as a dog all, all year long. Uh, this year on the road, they are five and two against that number. So um, I'm confident despite not having an offensive coaching staff uh, that they will stay with Wait, are, are you digits. calling their offense? Offensive plays? <laughs> I can go. I can, uh, Scott Frost, if you need me, I definitely know how to dial it up. <laughs> I just don't know which Martinez it is. Is it Adrian or is it Eric? They're not bringing back Taylor Martinez. Taylor? Yeah. No, that's, that's the no, other Martinez. I think right those, days are, those days are gone. <laughs> Dan played against him, I think. But, uh, well, it'll be interesting. See what happens. See how this all shakes out. At least there's uh, a lot of intrigue involved in the last couple of weeks of the regular season. And, of course, that leads up to uh, Selection Sunday on December 5th. Uh, Dan, we going to see you at Wrigley Field on Saturday? I'll be there. It's actually my birthday, too. So I, the only gift I want to tell my wife is just for Northwestern to win. I don't need anything else. There you go. I think... That would be the perfect 26th birthday gift for you. So happy birthday in advance from Super Joe and me. And uh, listen, we'll catch up next week. We'll talk about that game, talk about the finale at Illinois right before Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you then. That's going to do it for Collegiately Speaking. Thanks to Corbin Bryant for jumping on with us. Thanks to Super Joe Romano. Uh, For Dan Persa, Dave Ennett, we appreciate you being with us. Don't forget Cats and the Boilermakers at Wrigley. You can hear it on WGN Radio. Uh, Teddy Albrecht and I will have the pregame on Saturday beginning at 1030 Central Time, and we will talk to you then.